This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Mirror Football's podcast. I'm Thomas Bristow, your host for today, and I'm joined by Ibrahim Mustafa and Connor Mummery. How are we, chaps? Yeah, absolutely fine. Thank you very much for that lovely intro, Thomas. Um, how are you? Very well, thank you. Connor, you okay? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. Good. Right, let's start with Liverpool. Uh, beat Crystal Palace 2-0 on Monday night. Um, a lot of people's second favourites for the title. Um, one of their uh, star players last night, Naby Keita, He's getting a lot of good praise. Is it too soon? It's only two games, isn't it? Is it? Are we talking about him too much? Are we hyping him too much already? Well, Connor's obviously got very excited. He just dropped his phone while did, thinking yeah. about that intro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having seen him over two games, I can see why people are excited. He's not had that settling in period that so many players need and managers give us excuses when players don't hit the ground running he's come straight in he's looked good I mean yeah I mean the first game against West Ham that may as well have been a pre-season friendly given how bad West Ham were on the day but um, yeah but he settled in he looked really good and last night he looked really good again Um, there was a one iffy moment he gave the ball away at nil-nil Palace could have taken the lead as a result Andros Townsend hitting the bar but apart from that he was good on the ball good at picking out a pass, covered a lot of ground and ultimately, yeah, I think Liverpool have bagged themselves a decent signing, you have to say. Yeah, I mean, they've been made to wait for him as well, haven't they? I mean, they you know, announced this last summer, um, allowed themselves to get excited all year. Uh, now he's finally here and he's performing. Um, you know, you get a £60 million player in like that, you expect him to perform, but players don't usually settle as quickly in the Premier League. I mean, you look, you know, across the road to Man United and Fred, he's not settled as quickly. Not made the impact that Kaya has, but I don't think there's anything wrong with getting excited. Uh, Klopp was was quoted as saying last night that Kaya is quite a shy character in the dressing room. He's he's sticking with Mane, um, which isn't a bad bad thing given how Mane started playing this season. All right, let's move on. Um, let's talk about another Liverpool player who joined fairly recently as well in January, Virgil Van Dijk. Um, the sort of impact he's had is uh, they've had 11 clean sheets in 2018. Uh, there's been no goals conceded at Anfield. Um, bear in mind, this Liverpool team were shipping goals before his arrival, uh, almost for fun. Um, he's made a huge impact, hasn't he? Uh, it's undeniable, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people perhaps bolted at the transfer fee. It was, you know, it was massive, you know, the highest for, ever for a defender ever. Um, yeah, and the fact is, he played at Celtic. Did you know how how much can you really judge a player when they play at Celtic? Went to Southampton, did okay, but it's at the time perhaps maybe people were looking at him and thinking maybe that was sort of the limit of of how how well he how how high he could go. But he's joined Liverpool and actually you know he's justified the sort of the chase that they put in for him. And um, yeah, there's it's safe to, as you said they were 
having major problems at the back last season. That was a big criticism of Klopp's team that they're defensively they were all over the place. And um, yeah, since Van Dijk's come in, that has changed and they look a lot more assured in defence. Yeah, it's, th- just, it's just a reassuring presence, really, isn't he? Um, I mean, he's, he's certainly justified the, the, the 75 million yeah, so far, yeah. hasn't he? When you look at what people are going for even six months on, um, you know, Chelsea paying 70-odd mil for a, you know, a keeper that not many people in England have heard of unless they're La Liga nuts. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, yesterday was just a towering performance, wasn't it? Um, you wonder how well they'd have coped with uh, Benteke's knockdowns without him last night. I mean, we, we mentioned, well, I said earlier that Liverpool were many people's uh, second favourites for the title. Um, are they genuine title contenders, though? Can, can, I mean, we, we talk about them as being the second favourites, but can they topple City? Um, I mean, what they've got to hope for. And one thing I'd say, I mean, perhaps you look at a team like Manchester City, I mean, they're strong in so many departments, so it's going to be very hard for anyone to overtake them. But perhaps maybe as the season wears on, if City are perhaps in the latter rounds of the Champions League and... Pep Guardiola, you know, he's got that as a bit of an obsession for, you know, obviously he was so successful at Barcelona and at Bayern Munich, people had the nerve to say he failed at that club because he never won the Champions League there. So perhaps I imagine if City are in a position again to push for the Champions League, maybe they may take their after ball in the Premier League. Who knows? Not saying they will, but I think that's what people have to hope for in terms of whether they can be toppled in terms of chasing the title. And looking at Liverpool, as we're talking about them, they look strong enough now. We're just talking about their defence. They've certainly fixed that from last season. Going forward, they're still sort of lauded as one of the best attacking forces in in football at the moment, not just in England. And midfield-wise, we've talked about Cato's come in and shored everything up and made them stronger in that department. So, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't they be genuine title contenders? Connor, you were you were shaking your head there as I asked that question. Yeah, well, no, because Manchester City are still a team. There's not a chance. They haven't got a chance. No, absolutely not. Of course they haven't. Nobody has. Not one Manchester City, are, you know, while, while they're not being liquidated. I think that's the only thing that would <laughs> let anyone else win the league, isn't it? I mean, what? They'd have to be, what? What did they finish fourth last season? So they'd have to be about a 25-point swing in their favour. Uh, City have only got stronger. I know Liverpool have bought a couple of players, but it's no way they're making that up. And not even Sorry, the Sorry, but that's how I feel. Not even the injury. The thing is, the injury Kevin De Bruyne didn't even have an impact, did it really? Because David Silva just came in and played even better. Yeah. Oh, well, we talk about injuries, though. They've um, potentially lost Cardio Bravo for a significant amount of time. It's not that he was considered a first teamer or, you know, a major factor in them winning the title last season. But if, heaven forbid, something was to happen to Edison, they've got a young 20 year old goalkeeper to throw in there. And, you know, maybe that might sort of level the playing field well, I think but, Bra- Bra- but Edison might stay fit for the whole season and that whole last two minutes of me talking might be completely irrelevant <laughs> I think Bravo pretty much won on the Carabao Cup last season didn't he I think didn't they have two penalty shootouts along the way yeah and he made saves true. in uh, both of the shootouts so it may, I, I, you know I'll, I'll give you the Carabao Cup the Carabao Cup's up for grabs because <laughs> Bravo's injured but the Premier League's not alright um, let's cast our eye back to Sunday uh, Manchester United were humbled uh, in fine fashion by a very brave Brighton side, uh, 3-2, although that, that scoreline is actually slightly flattering probably to Manchester United, who got a last-minute penalty. Um, there's been some interesting stuff that's come out this morning from Mino Raiola, Paul Popper's agent. Um, he's been hit out of Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes basically said, for those that you don't know, uh, that he questioned uh, Pogba's leadership, who was the captain on Sunday, and Raiola has come back and said, um, 
Skulls wouldn't know what a leader looks like, uh, even if Winston Churchill was stood in front of him. Um, this is a bit much, isn't it, from a player's agent now? Well, this is where we are now in football, isn't it? You know, agents are as vocal and as, and as famous as the players. So I'm not entirely surprised to hear Mina Raiola come out and, you know, try and defend his player because what else is he going to do? He tries to, he's trying to do the best for the guy that makes him all his money. And ultimately, they're still, you know, we may come onto it later. The transfer window is still open in Europe and there has been speculation about Pogba's future. So maybe Raiola is very calculated in what he's saying because maybe that will help force hands from, you know, Catalonia or Manchester to perhaps shuffle Pogba from one place to another. So, you know, is it much from Mariah? Perhaps, but this is job, isn't it? Do you not think this is sort of distracting away from... I mean, Pogba just needs to get on and perform, doesn't he, really? I, I mean, think it, I don't think this will really be in Pogba's thinking. You know, he knows what his agent's like, doesn't he? And I, I don't really think it surprises him when he... When he's he a bit of a character, isn't he? Oh, you could say that. Uh, but I don't really think it surprises him when he speaks out in the media, to be honest. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting a, a big performance from Pogba on Monday. Um, I mean, I'm expecting a big performance from all of them because they've got, they've got to come back from this. I mean, the, to be fair to them, the level of criticism they've faced for losing a Premier League game has been possibly a bit over the top. Well, that was my next point. Was, is it, I mean, is but it too the thing early? Is it's not just the, the, the game. It's everything that's surrounding it as well. It's Mourinho coming out and saying everything he's been saying for the last two months since the end of last season pretty much over the summer he hasn't looked at all like he's interested in continuing in this job um he's just been it's just been negativity from him um whatever's going on with him and Woodward it's clearly not it's it's not it's not settled there and you know is there problems there there's been talk about bringing in a director of football and then they come out onto the pitch and put in a performance like that so it's not necessarily just criticism of the game it is criticism of everything that's going on with Manchester United at the moment. And ironically enough, with the Manchester City documentary that's come out a couple of days ago, Mourinho had a, had comments to make about that as well. But if you actually sit there and watch that documentary, City, I know it's obviously going to be... They have some creative control over what's, go, what's been put out in that documentary, but they look like a well-run club. They look like everything is going fine with them behind the scenes. Everything is sm- going running so smoothly there. And Manchester United are an absolute contrast. Imagine a documentary on Manchester United this season. Or I would in the love last to say that. That'd be a lot more interesting. You know? It'd be right. absolute chaos. In Mourinho's defence, which I'm not sure anyone has ever said before, but to play devil's advocate here, Mourinho made Paul Pogba captain for the first two games, which was a huge statement by him. To yeah, make. He's got two goals in two games. Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, and he's come out and said, I couldn't be happier with the player. He's obviously d- he's denied before previously that he, he has... Has had a, hasn't had an argument with, with with Woodward or or anything like that. So he's saying all the right things recently, but these reports keep coming out. So I mean, is it a bit unfair on him? Because I mean, it's not entirely his fault when players lose their or, as Pogba says, have a lack of attitude on the pitch. You know, I mean, perhaps it is his job to sort of motivate. But I mean, it, my question is: Is it a little bit unfair? And I think you, you sort of touched on that point earlier, Connor. Possibly. Um... I don't know. I think a lot's been read into this attitude thing. I didn't think Pogba was necessarily one of the worst players on on Sunday. I think that that lies with the the centre halves, who you know the two of uh, Mourinho's purchases bought them both for a combined what seventy odd million, Lindelof and Eric Bailly. Um and they've had to watch uh, you know a very public pursuit of a centre half from Jose Mourinho and Man United all summer, which you know I can't imagine was particularly great for the confidence. 
I mean, um, Lee Sharp reckons that Mourinho will be gone by Christmas. What do we think on that? <laughs> oh, cheers, Lee. Yeah. Um, it's funny we should mention Lee Sharp. I remember during the World Cup podcast, me and Aaron Flanagan, who is sorely missed today, of course, um, uh, had a, a, few, a few a few discussions about Lee Sharp. But you know, you can go back and listen to those if you like. I mm. doubt you would. But um, yeah, what will Manchester will um, sorry Jose Mourinho will he be there by Christmas? Um, it's hard to tell, really, isn't it? We've, oh, we've I mean, seen this before people, at Chelsea, haven't we? I think so. it's more because a lot of people seem to talk about this sort of third season syndrome, and I mean, is that? I mean, I guess it is a thing because people say it, but I mean, is it really a thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a thing at Inter, was it? Yeah. How long was he there? I can't remember how long he was there. But his final, whatever it was, his final season at Inter, he won the treble and then left. So it's not always all downhill. Go, fans, just looking up. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, could win the treble this season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's, what's clear to see is that Mourinho is most successful in his first two seasons at a club. But I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he turns this one around. Obviously, Spurs on Monday is a huge game for That's him. Absolutely massive. That I mean, um, Spurs are two out of two, and all the talk of potential disarray behind the scenes at Spurs has not manifested itself on the pitch and that's the contrast between the two sides now Manchester United have gone out there and failed to perform Spurs have gone out in their opening two games yeah I mean you know and they've actually you know come picked up some results and uh, so yeah when they face on Monday it'll be interesting to see how both sides approach that Okay, there'll be an intriguing encounter for sure let's cast our eyes back even further if you can roll them that far to Saturday, Arsenal, Chelsea, of course, at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Ibrahim, Unai Emery. It's not the ideal start, but from a fan's perspective, from your perspective, what are you seeing? Anything you like about it? Are you, are you happy so far? Can you can you see it going in the right direction already? Or is it a bit too early to tell? It's far too early to tell. I mean, two games, Manchester City at home. I mean, we're talking about them as Connor's already said that no one's going to stop them this season unless they, you know, cease to exist so you know losing at home to Manchester City yeah, was disappointing from an Arsenal perspective but ultimately not unexpected um, Chelsea uh, th- th- I, I actually put a piece on the site yesterday where I suggested that I said that Arsenal haven't won at Stamford Bridge we've won twice at Stamford Bridge since 2004 so l- dropping points at Stamford Bridge is disappointing again as it is it's not an entire not an entirely surprise however showing some sort of character to fight back from 2-0 down is something that you we literally hadn't seen from well or re- very rarely seen from an Arsenal Wenger side away from home against a, a top six rival it just doesn't happen it didn't happen sorry and now um, that was something to be m- encouraged by and ultimately if you look back at the game Arsenal had the chances in the at the end of the first half could have easily been very very different and um, as far as what Emery's trying to do with the team yeah the players are they up to it? It's hard to say, but but you know the second goal and some of those chances that were missed came from exactly what Emery's trying to do in terms of this whole trying to pass it out from the back and sort of like quick link up play between the players and then moving the ball forward. And um, yeah, I mean, like I say, the players may not be up to it now, and it will take time for Emery to perhaps teach them or find players who are ready to do that. But I'm, I don't think. I mean, yeah, you look at the table, two games in no points is a bit of a shocker. Relegation but, fodder. Yeah, it actually, actually is, yeah. West Ham scrap on the... Mm. Yeah, well, relegation six-pointer against West Ham at the weekend. Um, but 
I think you've got to take you for someone to come into a team that's been managed by someone for someone else for 22 years and expect an instant miracle is absolutely crazy. You've got to wait to at least a year before you're judging Emery. I mean, if he finishes sort of bottom half, then yeah, you'd say okay, it's all gone horribly wrong. But you know, this is genuinely a season of transition for Arsenal, and um, if it's going to be, it's Arsenal are not prob- not likely to finish in the top four unless something outrageous happens, but. It is a season of transition and the year that Arsenal and Emery should show each other patience to try and get things right. Uh, Abraham's actually written a very good feature uh, on uh, Emery and Arsenal, which you're you're very welcome to read um, for more on that. Um, Sarri, he's got off to a good start, hasn't he, Connor? Yeah, he has, yeah. I mean, sorry, he has. I'm closer to the microphone now. I'm being, uh, being directed by Tom here. Um, he has, yeah. I mean, two wins from two wins from two. Um, probably wouldn't be overly happy with a couple of the goals he conceded. Um, I don't think a keeper would be either, to be honest. Uh, Kepa, I'm going to call him Kepa. Yeah. Um, you know, got hands for the first one as well. Um, but you are you are starting to see signs of it. I mean, I think I saw a stat they've completed more passes than Manchester City in the first two games, which, you know, I didn't think that was possible um, <laughs> considering last season. Um, but yeah, he'd obviously be happy with this start. Um it's a bit, a bit of a weird one, really, isn't it? Because they, they do look very different from last season already. We talked about Emery. He's not really had time to put his stamp on it. But, you know, Sarri's had as many games. and Well, he's had less time, hasn't he? You think about Anca- Antonio well, yeah, Conte. Suppose, was, yeah. He's was, got was, better yeah. players. He yeah. clearly has better players. He does players, have better players, but it's just, you know, we're seeing, you know, we're, at the moment we're seeing Angelo Kante on the end of, uh, end of everything, which is very unusual considering where he was last season in front of the back four. Um, but, you know, that's what the likes of Jorginho gives him the license to do. Okay, um, a very intriguing start for both managers there. Um, let's quickly talk transfers because the transfer window is open in some countries still. Um, we'll very, very quickly wrap over this one. Karius the Besiktas, a two-year loan. Um, is this the right thing for him? Does he need to get away from the limelight or should he stay at Liverpool and try and fight? Quick one, who benefits from a two-year loan? It's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah. I Juan Cuadrado didn't he was that a yeah that was yeah, yeah no two years he gets to buy in I think he's benefited from it to be fair I don't know I don't know if Ramsey I mean well Cuadrado certainly has that was a two year loan to Juventus yeah. Yeah. okay yeah. then fine <laughs> so so Carius is, yes. this, is this the right decision so, yeah. yeah well you know he needs a new lease of life he needs to go somewhere else he needs to get out of that sort of that focus that sort of goldfish bowl that is Anfield now so he needs to go somewhere else clear his head and maybe try and find exactly what it was that made him made Liverpool want him in the first place so you know yeah fine go find find yourself you know Travel like, like a world. student like an 18 year old student yeah, yeah go backpack, yeah. Go backpack. Go backpack. he's got the right hair for it hasn't he <laughs> um, yeah just quickly then because the transfer window um, is still open in France that closes on the 31st uh, of this month and the transfer window is still open in Spain. That closes on the 1st of next month. The Premier League obviously made this move, didn't it, to, to shut the window before the season starts, which is great because you've got the squad, you've got everyone there that you want there. Um, but it's a bit of a distraction, isn't it, when other windows are still open and your players, your star players could potentially still go. Yeah, but you'd, you'd like to think that your, your clubs are less likely to get, let a star talent go without the possibility of getting a replacement in. Um, I, I think the decision is a, is the right one uh, two close window before the season starts but not the year of World Cup I think it should have definitely started next year I mean I don't really think that was taken into account it do- obviously it doesn't really affect the football leagues that voted for it but the the, uh, the Premier League teams with players out all summer and you know often their transfer targets are out all summer um, up until what was it two weeks 
like between the end of the World Cup and the season, mm. that's not a lot of time to get business done. Yeah. And just a quick one on that. Just um, in Europe, I, from what I gather, they don't focus on sort of like the big deadline day thing that we do that we go absolutely nuts for and yeah, I mean, full it was on twenty four hours. Wasn't it yesterday? Yeah. Syria deadline. Didn't yeah, they kind of about that. They just get on with it and they think, oh, that's the deadline. They get it done. They get their business done far earlier and don't wait to this deadline day to sort of make these big moves. Okay, well that's all we got time for today. Thanks for your contribution, guys. As always, we're getting stared out, so we, we better get out of the room. But you can follow and keep up to date with all the action this week on Mirror Football. And of course, you can listen to this podcast, past podcasts, and future podcasts on iTunes, Acast, and Spotify. Thank you. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.